Hey, and welcome to another episode of Begin by Beginning. Today, we're going to explore three ways that the global pandemic is calling us to compassion. That's right. We're going to look at COVID's compassionate side. Stick with me. Begin by Beginning is a podcast dedicated to helping you get out of your own way and into your own way, helping you and I live a little bit more happily ever now. With each episode, I endeavor to bring you stories, ideas, tools, tips, things that you can start using immediately to live into more of your best life, to live a little bit more happily ever now with practice, with gentle practice. My name is Brian Perry. I am a singer, songwriter, speaker, author of the book, The Myth of Certainty and Other Great News, and the guy who writes on the back of his car. Let's go ahead and dig in because more than ever, it is my hope that the moments you're devoting to these episodes are serving you and giving you something that will help you through this historic transformative moment in all of our lives. So let's look at three ways the global pandemic calls us to compassion. COVID's compassionate side. COVID brain. Maybe you're calling it quarantine brain. But COVID brain, that's what I've taken to calling it these days. And by it, I mean how mind-bogglingly, mind-bogglingly is a hard word to say, by the way, how mind-bogglingly overwhelming all of this is. Also, it, as in the fog I can feel like I'm in at any given moment, trying to process it all. You know the spot in your brain, right? It's nearly incalculable the number of ways this ongoing pandemic is affecting virtually every aspect of each of our lives. We simply, and monumentally, do not live in the same world we did even three months ago. So how do we navigate the onslaught of change and upheaval? And how do we do that when all of us are living through it at the same time? Let's start with compassion. While there are many moving parts and likely different tools needed for each of them, compassion, to me, is what's called for at this moment. Now, compassion may seem at first like sort of a squishy and soft word, you know, but in practice, it has such rich undertones of empathy, openness, and listening deeply. Don't those seem like useful things to be practicing and offering ourselves and one another right now? Compassion's literal definition is sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with the desire to alleviate it. Sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. That's compassion. Yeah, that sounds pretty freaking useful right now, don't you think? So, let's look at three ways the COVID pandemic calls us to level up our practice of compassion. First up, we're all going through this. Sort of. It's been said many times, but it's worth repeating because it's just that big and hard to fully comprehend. We are all, more or less the entire planet, going through this pandemic having our lives deeply impacted by this ongoing crisis right now. This is true. However, everyone is going through this, and everyone is going through something different. This experience is as specific 
as it is universal. Let's look at just the layer of work for the moment. I'll speak to the basics of what I'm seeing in my life and in my immediate circles. I've been out of work because my day job is a non-essential retail job. Also, I'm in the high-risk group, so I've been adhering as strictly as feasible to staying at home, which I am, for now, able to do. While my life is fully upended, I'm aware that, in many ways, I'm fortunate. I'm also aware that this is not everyone's experience. My sister works in education, so she's been leveled by this thing. They've had to reinvent all of their processes. I mean, it's a complete reinvent. If you know any teachers, you know this is the thing right now for them. Rest has not been an option. Same for my girlfriend. She works in finance and her work is essential, so life has continued on in the midst of the relentless stresses of this. My brother, he's in the restaurant industry, an industry we all know has been largely decimated by this, so he's in dire straits. And then there are the friends at home in tiny apartments with their children trying to work remotely, teach, and feed everyone. There are my friends in the music industry whose livelihoods depend on travel and crowds. And of course, there's the healthcare workers, grocers, warehouse workers, and delivery drivers. I mean, good Lord. And that's just the workplace layer. That doesn't even begin to factor in the toll of the virus itself. I could obviously go on and on and on and break down the situation of so many friends and family, but you're seeing this too, I'm sure. While we are, no question, all processing the enormity of this moment and the emotions of this moment at the same time, it is also true that no two experiences are exactly the same, any more than any two lives are exactly the same. Everyone is going through this, and everyone is going through something different. So what do we do with that? Do we splinter and rail against one another and our differences? I think compassion is waving a flag of opportunity here. Hurricane Katrina keeps coming up for me. So much so, I imagine it's becoming a bit annoying to the people I talk with. I lived in New Orleans during that time, and well, truthfully, until this pandemic, I've been deeply reticent to talk about it publicly. It is easily one of the most transformative times of my life. And the mental and emotional muscle sets, if you will, that I developed during that time, unconsciously developed, have been serving me really well here. I said all that to tell you this. My now ex-wife said something then that was so powerfully wise that I've been leaning really heavy on it here. You may recall that the Gulf Coast was almost entirely displaced for a time after the storm. The sheer diaspora was, again, mind-blowing. I'm not... I can't believe how often we're using these giant adjectives these days, but that's the only thing you can say. But at that time, the sheer diaspora was, yes, mind-blowing. And I remember my ex-wife was commenting on this and saying something to the extent of, we are being called to compassion here because, she said, we are everywhere. We are spread out all over the place. As a result... That person who's moving too slow in front of you in the grocery store, you don't know what they're going through. 
They may be lost in thought about losing their house and their job. That person who cuts you off in traffic? They may be distracted with the thought that they may never see their family again. Yeah, that. What she said. And what we're going through now. Everyone is going through this. And everyone is going through something different. We are called to compassion. And we are called to compassion because we are all grieving. The world as we knew it is no more. I'm not saying that we'll never return to a life that looks similar to what we knew. I am saying that our day-to-day experience of the stability and solidity of those lives is forever altered. The inherent fragility of it all has been exposed. In an interview with Gail King on CBS, researcher, professor, and iconic best-selling author Brene Brown said, As the wave of the pandemic travels throughout the U.S. and we start to lose people that we see every day and know every day, it's going to be grief on top of grief on top of grief. Grief is a major theme at the moment. Regardless of whether or not the virus has directly touched your world, it has impacted your world. It has touched your world. It has touched my world. The most mundane and exotic of activities have been transformed. From the grocery store to travel, from work to sports to restaurants to entertainment, heck, even to dating. What does dating even look like in the age of COVID? We don't really know yet. We just don't know. PhD Cheryl, I'm not going to pronounce this right, Sherry Comye. Um, I have a link on my site to all of these, by the way. She's a psychologist who specializes in grief and grief mentoring, was quoted in an article in the APA as saying, there is a communal grief as we watch our work, healthcare, education, and economic systems All of these systems we depend on destabilize. Again, hmm, truth. We have all, at the very least, lost stability and normalcy. And so, we are all grieving. I feel like I'm really just now starting to feel this. I wrote recently that we aren't in the after part of this yet. So it hasn't felt like a true grieving was occurring for me. At least not yet. But now we've been here a while. Now we're seeing other countries moving on to their after. In the United States, however well or ill-advised, we are seeing the beginnings of reopening. These beginnings, by their sheer severity of contrast to what was before this crisis, have made grief begin to feel real for me. For instance, while my workplace is reopening, I can't return yet. It's simply too big a risk for someone in my health situation to take. And so, in that corner of my life, life as I knew it is gone. Everyone is grieving in this. 
and everyone is grieving something different. And so, in this, we are called to compassion. And finally, we are called to compassion because of history. The New York Times columnist David Brooks wrote in this cautionary piece about the history of pandemics. And he said, some disasters, like hurricanes and earthquakes, can bring people together. But if history is any judge, pandemics generally drive them apart. These are crises in which social distancing is a virtue. Dread overwhelms the normal bonds of human affection. Let's not do that. Because, in other words, historically, people, just like you and me, behave badly during global pandemics. Very, very badly. And I kind of get that. Because people are afraid. Fight or flight, survival level afraid. One possible response to that is to lean into our more base, self-protective, even violent instincts. But there is another path. We also see people of all stripes leaning into their highest selves, people rising to the moment with acts of bravery, creativity, love, and kindness. Acts small and large, all adding up to something hopeful. I recently wrote about how in these acts, there's a sense of permission we are giving each other to show up to this time vulnerably and humanly, to move through it together an unsure footing. I think that's worth building on. Or, as Mr. Brooks advises, it also wouldn't be a bad idea to take steps to fight the moral disease that accompanies the physical one. We do that when we allow ourselves to see ourselves in each other. We do that when we recognize that we are all walking through this on the same unsure footing. We do that when we remember that we share a common goal of safely arriving at the after side of this. And when we do all of that, we open ourselves to heeding, as President Lincoln put it, the better angels of our nature. What's more, we free ourselves to rise to what's called for in historic moments like this. And fundamentally, what's called for is to figure this thing out. That's not a clean process. It's a steep and messy learning curve. Having compassion for ourselves and each other just may save us from becoming one of the darker chapters of history. And so, in this, we are called to compassion. While I don't know what each person I may encounter is going through, I know for sure they're going through something. While I don't know what the people are experiencing whose words or actions are perhaps boiling my blood, I know for sure they are experiencing something deeply challenging. I know for sure we are all living in some degree of fear steeped in the uncertainty of this moment. And so, we are all called to compassion, 
to practice compassion, to practice sympathetic consciousness of each other's distress, to practice the desire to alleviate that, to listen with patience and willingness and kindness with practice, always with practice. It may not prove to be an easy shift at times, so we do what's hard. Do what's hard together in this mess. Together. We are called to be slower to judgment and quicker to kindness in relationship to ourselves and to the dizzying ride of this, and critically in relationship to one another. That, to my mind, is at the very core of the question of how we get through this moment how we rise to this moment, how we step into the best of us, compassionately, with practice. Thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time and listening to this. I hope you found something in it. I hope you found these various perspective shifts on how to shift into more compassion in this moment for yourself and for those around you. I hope you found it useful. At the very least, I hope you found it comforting for a moment. Um, if you have any questions or you want to reach out or you have any thoughts you want to share, please do so. On social media platforms, I'm at YesBrianPerry. Uh, my website is YesBrianPerry.com. You can reach me there. I'll be sharing more with you soon. I'm sending great thoughts and sending love to you and yours. I hope you're safe and well. I hope you're staying home if you can. I hope you're being good to yourself and being good to others. More soon. Bye now.